Hello, everybody. This is Bobby Keezer, and you are listening to the Son of Man, Urantia podcast. In today's episode, we have chapter six, the adolescent years. As a teenager, Jesus experienced the difficulties and confusion that all of us passed through, and he did so on a planet in spiritual isolation. All young people morphing through these trying times can know that Jesus himself endured much worse, and they can find refuge in the compassion and understanding he learned in his short time as the young Son of Man. Jesus is now tasked with the responsibility to care for an increasingly poorer household, while he's also becoming aware of the Creator's Son he was before being born Jesus, the Son of Man. But overriding all else in his mind, was his growing assurance that he was on earth to reveal God, his paradise father, to humanity. The 16th year, A.D. 10 By 16 years old, Jesus was coming into his own. He was strong and handsome, with an engaging and sympathetic smile, even if he was becoming more sober and serious. He was learning to be both a friend and a divine teacher. In the biological sense, his mind was fully developed. Jesus was now prepared to grow through the progressive levels of mental development that all mortals do. That maturing of thought and understanding that can only come with increasing age and experience. Jesus accomplished all of his mental growth in one lifetime. For most of us, it will take many. While time on planet is no guarantee of wisdom, there is maturity that can't be gained without the needed age, time, and experience. Mary still held to the belief that Jesus was the Jewish Savior, and of course, she told this to his brothers and sisters as the family secret. So they were confused when they'd hear Jesus deny all of this. Jesus remembered that his dad could never win an argument with Mary. So, he let her keep her ideas, but he also seldom discussed them with her. Simon started school this year, and James took over teaching the three sisters, Miriam, Martha, and young Ruth. Jesus insisted on the sisters being homeschooled because the Jews only educated the men at the synagogue. As in all other matters between the sexes, Jesus found this separation between the rights of men and women to be backward and offensive. Jesus' skills at the carpenter bench kept him with plenty of work, and he had much to do. Often, James would help out. With what little free time Jesus did have, he'd play with the little ones. Mary was a proud mother, but she was also sad that her son had to shoulder so much responsibility at his young age. The Seventeenth Year, A.D. 11 among the Jews, there was a growing political group known as the Zealots. These guys didn't want to wait for a Jewish savior. They wanted to rebel against the Romans right then. The Zealots had gained many supporters around Galilee. But when they got to Nazareth, Jesus said no, he wouldn't join them. Jesus didn't tell the Zealots why. But by refusing to enlist, many of the other young men in Nazareth followed Jesus' lead and also declined. Now Mary wanted Jesus to join the zealots. 
She was so intent on him enlisting that she even suggested he was breaking his vow to obey her if he didn't. When Jesus heard this, he just laid a hand on his mother's shoulder and, looking into Mary's eyes, said something like, Ah, Ma, how could you say that? That caught Mary off guard, and she backed off, which was more than Joseph could ever get her to do. But there were still problems that Jesus had to negotiate. Mary's mother, his uncle Simon, excuse me, Mary's brother, his uncle Simon, joined the zealots and later became one of their leaders. And Jesus' brother, James, was urging him to do the same. By September, after four years of less and less income, the family was broke. Zacharias had died, so Elizabeth and young John went to Nazareth to visit Jesus' family and plan for the future. Jesus and John had many private talks during this time together. Eventually, they decided that John should return to his family's farm and care for his mother until their Heavenly Father called them both to their missions. And this they did. John didn't see Jesus again until the day that Jesus presented himself to John, now John the Baptist, in the Jordan River. Later that year, on December 3rd, baby Amos died from a high fever. With Joseph dead, Jesus had to support Mary through this hard time as both her son and as the head of the household. Jesus did so well at taking care of her and the others that she never again questioned his leadership in the family. The extra funeral costs for Amos, at a time when they were already broke, made things more difficult for everyone. But Jesus kept his chin up. He told the family that they'd make it through this period and to trust that they'd have better days ahead. His optimistic attitude held them all together, and it helped to strengthen the developing characters of his brothers and sisters. Jesus taught by example. He had patience that never wavered, except if someone attempted to sway him from his father's will, and then they'd see his righteous indignation. His patience and optimism allowed him to withstand the hardships of the mortal life. Jesus lived his life as if he was in the actual presence of God at all times. The 19th year, A.D. 13. In the house with his family, and then later in life, Jesus taught people by telling them what they should do, not what they shouldn't do. He used a positive form of teaching, which was just the opposite of the Jews forbidding evil acts based on old taboos. Jesus taught people to do good rather than not to do wrong. Most of Jesus' brothers and sisters were well-behaved and seldom had to be punished. Jude, though, was the exception. He started out from an early age being more rebellious than the others. So at times, Jesus had to punish him. And when he did so, it was always with Jude's permission and in agreement with his older brothers and sisters. But Jesus was also fair. He understood that rules and justice weren't static and that each case had to be judged in context of the situation. Jesus earned the admiration of his family this way, and they would often come to him for advice. Jesus' brothers and sisters were each growing up in their own ways. James was a good student and balanced in personality, if not as spiritually inclined as Jesus. Joseph was a bit slower than the rest of the kids, 
but he was a good worker. Simon tended to be the well-intentioned dreamer of the bunch, and that caused its own problems. But it was Jude who was the hot-headed idealist, and this never changed. Among the sisters, Miriam stood out in every way. She was one of the most beautiful and well-balanced women in Nazareth, with a strong appreciation for spiritual matters. Martha tended more toward Joseph in not being as bright as the rest, but she was also a well-behaved child like her brother. Baby Ruth was the family's doll, and she worshipped everything about Jesus. The family was following the Jewish laws and customs in town, but inside the house Jesus was teaching them a more liberal way to worship God than just obeying rules. Jude started school this year, and Jesus had to sell his harp to pay for his admission. While he, was, while he missed relaxing at night with his music, he comforted himself by knowing that at least the Roman tax collector didn't have his harp. Rebecca, the daughter of Ezra. As already said, Jesus was a smart, robust, and handsome young man. Everyone in town thought that he was destined to, in some way, become a leader in the community. And, of course, he was catching the eye of the young women in town. One gal, Rebecca, the daughter of Ezra, who was one of Nazareth's more wealthy merchants, went so far as to tell Miriam that she was falling in love with Jesus. When Miriam heard this, she went and told Mary. And, as you'd expect... Mary had a bit of a hissy fit. Things were bad enough in the family as it was, and now some lass wanted to come along and take Jesus from her family. Mary just wasn't about to let this happen. So the two of them, Mary and Miriam, made a plan to nip this idea in the bud before Jesus found out about Rebecca's love for him. Mary and Miriam's plan was to tell Rebecca their family secret about Jesus and who they thought he was. They hoped this would persuade Rebecca to look for someone else to marry. But it didn't. Everything Mary and Miriam said about Jesus' future just made Rebecca more excited. She was thinking that if Jesus really was the Messiah, he was going to need himself a good wife, and it should be her. As for Mary's concerns about being able to support her family, Rebecca said she didn't have to worry because her father would provide the money Mary needed. But this didn't convince Mary and Miriam, and they still said no. So, Rebecca decided to take her idea straight to Jesus. She went and talked to her father, got his support, and then they invited Jesus to their house for dinner on Rebecca's 17th birthday. Jesus accepted the invitation and listened to Rebecca's proposal. Afterwards, he said that as far as the money to support his family— no amount could take the place of his obligation to them. Jesus told Rebecca and her father that the most sacred trust that we have is to remain loyal to one's own flesh and blood. When Ezra heard this, he left the table and let Jesus and Rebecca talk alone. But as he was leaving, he quietly told his wife that Jesus was too noble for their family and wouldn't be joining them. Once alone with Rebecca, Jesus listened as she told him about her feelings. This was a different experience for Jesus. Up until then, he hadn't given much thought to girls, other than being friends with them like he was with the other boys. 
When Rebecca was done, Jesus thanked her for her words. But he said he couldn't do anything or be anything more than a friend to her or to anyone else until he had taken care of his family. And after that, Jesus said that if he really was a child of destiny, he'd have to wait until he knew that for sure before he could do anything else. But Rebecca loved and worshipped Jesus as the greatest man on earth, and nothing he said changed her feelings for him in the least. Rebecca was distraught. She forced her dad to move their family away to Sephoris, and she never accepted any other man's hand in marriage. Rebecca remained devoted to Jesus throughout his life, and she was with Mary and the other women as Jesus hung dying on the cross. His 20th year, A.D. 14. Everyone in Nazareth eventually heard that Jesus had rejected Rebekah's offer of marriage, and he was never again put in that spot. But this story about Rebekah's love was not soon forgotten in Nazareth. To ease his mind, Jesus decided to go to the Passover in Jerusalem and hang with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, who were like his second family. Their parents were both dead, and Lazarus, being the same age as Jesus, was head of their household. Mary was a year older than Jesus, and Mary, Martha was a year older than Jesus, and Mary was two years younger. Lazarus didn't know that Jesus was coming for the Passover dinner. He had already made plans for the family to eat at a friend's house down the road on the way to Jericho. But when Jesus showed up, he suggested that they all just stay there at Lazarus' house to eat. Lazarus objected, saying that they couldn't have the Passover at his house because he didn't have the sacrificial lamb from the temple. Jesus used this time as a teaching moment. By the time he was done talking, Jesus had convinced Lazarus, Martha, and Mary that killing animals to please God was a backward and childlike practice from the days of Moses. He said that the other Jews could do what they wanted, and that they probably should. But for this family, Jesus said, they had seen the light of God, and they now lived in the knowledge of eternal love. No longer would they worship God the Father through the darkness of death. That night was the first Passover feast to ever happen without the sacrificial lamb. This was the dinner where Jesus termed the hard bread the Jews ate at Passover as the bread of life, and the wine they drank he called the water of life. From then on, Lazarus and his family celebrated the Passover without the lamb. But back at Jesus' house in Nazareth, he and the family continued to eat the Passover according to the laws of Moses. This was to please Mary. The family sold off the last of Joseph's property in Capernaum to a boat builder named Zebedee. Joseph graduated school and took up his spot at the carpenter bench. With three of the boys now working, the family could make enough money to survive. Jesus had matured. He was both receiving advice from his heavenly father and offering guidance as a human father. Through the hardships he had learned to face injustice, brave disappointment, and meld his divine side with the demands of mortal life. Like with us, he had to learn how to both plan for the future and deal with the problems of the present. At this point in his life, 
he's almost mastered the technique of using spiritual energy to fuel material achievements. And he's turning his difficulties into victories to guide us throughout eternity. During his time with us, Michael lived as we do to the fullest possible extent. These experiences deepened his love and understanding for us, human beings living our first short and confusing lives in the flesh. Born as a babe of the realm, he's now passed through this stage of young adulthood, and he's ready to walk forth as a man, revealing God to mortals and leading mortals to God. Okay, everybody, that's it for Son of Man, Urantia, Chapter 6, The Adolescent Years. Next week's chapter is titled, Jesus, Jesus' Early Manhood. Have a fantastic week out there, everybody.